0: Welcome to the sermons of Steve Galloway, pastor of First Baptist Church, Macon, Mississippi. Let us join together and study God's Word and apply it to our hearts so that we may learn His truths and live faithful, obedient lives. May God bless our time together. Let me invite you to turn your Bibles to Philemon verses 7 through uh, 4 through 7. Philemon, let me invite you to turn your Bibles to Philemon verses 7 through uh, 4 through 7. Philemon, verses four through seven. No chapter, there's only one chapter. So Philemon, verses four through seven. If you have trouble finding it, if you can find the book of Hebrews and turn back a page, you should find it. Allow me to share this passage. Philemon, chapter, uh, verses four through seven. I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of your faith, which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. Let's bow together in prayer. The Lord open our hearts to these truths. Help us to see these words of encouragement that Paul is sharing with Philemon, and let us ask if these same words could be true of us. Guide us in our study, and Lord, Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds to your truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, there's a right way and a wrong way to get somebody to do the right thing. You know, some people think that they can just badger somebody to do what's right, and that's usually kind of put offish if people want to flee from you and If anything, they want to disagree and don't do what you're doing or want them to do, just for principle's sake. But if we encourage, if we approach it in a positive way, typically we get a better result. Uh, My years working at Kroger, I, I worked with a guy, his name was Chris, and he would say this to me, I'm gonna let you do me a favor. Think about it for a second. I'm gonna let you do me a favor. So he was trying to put a positive slant on you doing something for him. It made you think that whatever you're gonna get to do was probably something good, whether it was or not. But, you know, we look at life and we say, you know, God, are we being used in this way to to be encouragers to others, to to help them to see that there's a right way and a wrong way to do things? Well, Paul knows the importance of setting the stage to encourage Philemon. See, Paul is, is sending this runaway slave named Onesimus back to Philemon. And he's not sure how Philemon's gonna receive him. When Onesimus ran away from Philemon in Colossae, he he did the 1400 mile journey all the way to Rome, probably thinking he's just gonna be able to blend in and start a new life. Somehow or another, he came across the path of Paul. Paul led him to Christ. Paul took him under his wing, began discipling him. And he became useful, worthy, worth it, worth something to Paul. So Paul really did not want to send him back. And so the whole principle of this book of Philemon is sending Onesimus back to his rightful owner, Philemon, and asking Philemon to send him back to Paul so that he could continue to be a, a ministry in Paul's ministry. And so that's really the question. Paul is doing what he can to set the stage for the question or the the, the request that he's going to be making. And we won't get into that until next week. So, today we're really going to be looking at how he is sharing the truth about this man named Philemon. And you know, Paul would not be lying because it's written in the Word of God. This is an inspired Word of God. So, Paul is not making up things about Philemon just to try to butter him up and make him feel good about himself. These are actually things that Paul sees in Philemon. So, As he shares these words of encouragement, his hope and prayers are that Philemon will be encouraged, that he will see God working in him, and that he will accept the requests of Paul dealing with Onesimus. Look at the very first part of verse 4. I thank my God always for you. I thank God always for you. Now, there's no telling how many people came along Paul's path People that he had shared ministry with in one way or another. And can't say that Paul had a prayer list of a thousand people he prayed for every day. But obviously, when people were in his center of life, as Philemon would be with this slave named Onesimus, he was actually definitely on his prayer list. So he he says, I thank God always for you. In other words, I am simply spending time each day thanking God for who you are in Him. So Paul definitely came across a lot of different people in life, some for the better, some for the worse. He met a lot of people along his uh, missionary journeys that ministered alongside of him, took care of him, helped him in all the things that he did. And at the same time, He came across some people that wanted to kill him, stone him, beat him, throw him in prison, wanted to end his life. But Paul definitely saw someone good in Philemon. So he looks at him, and as we continue this study, we'll see even more about Philemon. But right now he is saying, I thank God for you. So he's seen enough in the life of Philemon, knows enough about him, To say, I'm thankful for who you are, what you're doing, how you're being used for the gospel. So, as we go through this, I'm going to be asking some personal questions towards us, myself included. Who's thanking God for us? Is there anybody in your world that God is thankful for you being a part of their life? Are we ministering in the name and the power of our Lord in ways that others are thankful? Are we making a difference in other people's lives for the better? How are we allowing God to use us to show his honor and glory in the world around us? So simply, who's thanking God for us? Paul was thanking God for Philemon. Then the next part of verse 4 says he is praying for you, praying for Philemon. He's thanking God. That's one part of his prayer, but he's also praying for him. He knows that Philemon's in a difficult situation, especially now that he's sending his runaway slave back to him. But even without that dilemma, Paul knows that Philemon sees a lot of different things going on in Colossae. He's trying to minister. He's opened up his own home, so he understands the power of prayer. And so he is bowing on his knees, lifting up Philemon to the Lord, knowing that it is the power of prayer that will do what God wants to accomplish here. So if you've noticed in Paul's writings, he typically ends by praying for the many people that he's writing this letter to. And he also asks for prayers. So really there's a twofold part of this. What all could actually be accomplished in the work of Christ if we were more serious about praying for others? Think about that. If we truly were praying for the others that are actively serving the Lord, how much more power, how much more endurance would they have simply because we pray for them? Have you ever sent somebody praying for you? I have. Not as often as I like, but I have. I pray that others sense my prayers for them. How many people are we praying for, for God to do his good and perfect will in their lives? And so we move to verse five. Because I hear of your love, the testimony of Philemon's love. Now, how does Paul know about Philemon's love? Well, there's quite a few different ways. First of all, it's not written in the scriptures, but there's pretty good evidence that Paul and Philemon crossed paths. Paul never did, according to the scriptures, he never did visit Colossae. He will end this letter saying, I won't come, but there's no evidence that he ever went to Colossae, especially before this letter was written. So how did Paul and Philemon cross paths? Well, Philemon was a wealthy man, obviously because he owned at least one slave, probably more. So he was a businessman. Well, Classe was not a very rich place. So in order for him to do business, more than likely he traveled the 100 miles to Ephesus. Guess who just happened to spend about two or three years of his life ministering in Ephesus? Paul. So I believe that God put them together. Paul actually, there's evidence even from this scripture uh, next week that Paul actually led Philemon to the Lord. And by doing so, we don't know if Philemon just spent an extra amount of time with Paul, or if on his continuous journeys back to Ephesus that he would always spend time with Paul, allowing Paul to encourage him and to disciple him and help him to grow in his faith. We don't know all that, but there's quite a bit of evidence that Paul and Philemon met while Paul was ministering in Ephesus. So Paul knew firsthand. He knew Philemon personally. First hand evidence. So he already saw the love of Philemon being exemplified in his life. Well, the second one is the testimony of a man named Epaphras. If you go back to the book of Colossians that we just got through studying, Epaphras had been the pastor there in Colossae and he had left Colossae and traveled that 1400 miles to find Paul to share with him the struggles that the church was going through dealing with some false teachers. Now, Epaphras actually stays in uh, Rome with Paul, and so now Paul has Epaphras in his home. He is ministering alongside of Paul, and so Epaphras was conducting the services in Philemon's house because Philemon opened his house up for the church. So who better to know the heart of Philemon than Epaphras? Epaphras is right there with Paul. He has an eyewitness. Uh, testimony of how, how Philemon was conducting himself there in, in Colossae. Well, there's actually a third testimony. His own runaway slave, Onesimus. He also traveled that 1,400 miles, came across Paul. Paul led him to the Lord. Paul discipled him. Paul did not want to let him go back, but he knew it was the right thing to do. Even though Onesimus ran away from Uh, Philemon, there's really no evidence why he ran away. He may have just simply ran away wanting his freedom which many of the slaves did not because uh, Philemon was a cruel master. So Philemon had this connection with Onesimus. Onesimus knew Philemon so he too was able to give a testimony about Philemon. So all three of them knew. Let me ask this question. Who would be willing to give you a positive spiritual testimony of your life in Christ? Who out there is saying, Steve Galloway is a man of God, and I testify to his faith in the Lord? Put your own name in that sentence. What evidence are we showing others of our faith? Well, it goes on and talks about not only its love, but also the faith. Let me reread part of verse 5. Because I hear of your love and of your faith. So we look and we see there's love and faith. Well, the word love here is that unconditional word, agape love. The love that God has for us, that he loved us so much that even while we were yet sinners, he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for our sins. That's this type of love. So basically what Paul is saying is, I see the love of Christ in you and also see your faith being lived out. So the two go hand in hand. You really can't have faith without having this love. See, this love is present because God is now living in us as his children. His love is in us to radiate out, and it radiates out as we live out our faith. We dealt with the book of James that talked all about living out our faith. And so that's what Philemon was doing. He was obviously living out his faith. And his faith was being seen in his ministry to others as well as to his Lord Jesus. So the question is, is there ample evidence of our faith in the Lord? Do others witness us ministering in his name? These are tough questions, aren't they? We don't always think about them. We just kind of live our lives saying, well, we're Christians, and everybody knows I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian since I was nine years old. They know that. But what evidence is there that God is working in us and through us? Well, Paul sees it in two different ways. He sees his faith being lived out towards the Lord Jesus. We'll look at that. You know, it's one thing to be good and generous, which... Philemon was, he was a wealthy man. He opened up his home uh, for others to use it, gave sacrificially. But you know, there's a lot of people doing good things in our world. We use the term philanthropists. That means that they are usually pretty wealthy and they're looking for ways to invest their wealth into the needs of the society around them. Well, that means that they're good-hearted and they're trying to be generous, generous with what they have But it doesn't mean that they have the love of Christ in them. doesn't mean that they have a personal relationship with the Lord. But Paul is seeing that what Philemon is doing is he is sacrificially ministering in the name of the Lord. He is ministering for Christ Jesus. What he is doing is to glorify Jesus and to bring others to him. So we see that there's evidence of the love of Christ in him, and he is exuding that love towards others so that they too can understand that there's something great, a great gift of God. See, even with Philemon's wealth and his status in life, there's really no evidence that he is trying to flout that. In other words, he is really saying nothing really matters other than the greatest gift that God can give that's his gift of salvation, eternal life. My wealth has nothing to do with this. He's given me maybe this wealth so that I can open up my home. Maybe, I, maybe he actually helped support Paul in his missionary journeys. We don't know. More than likely, he was very generous with what he had. But he mainly was looking at, how can I use what I have for God? And so, the question is, how evident is our faith in our service to our Lord? Well, Paul saw not only his faith towards the Lord Jesus, but also the last part of verse 5, and towards all the saints. So, Philemon's ministry was not just in the name of the Lord, but it was a ministry towards other believers, brothers and sisters of Christ, the saints of God. And so this means that he seemed to know how to minister. He lived in a small town known as Colossae evidence is that they had suffered a severe earthquake years earlier that devastated the town and what is now present is a shell of what it used to be so the people there are probably just making ends meet They're, that's home to them they don't want to go anywhere else but there's not a lot to do to make a living so philemon because he is a businessman he's made the connections with. Ephesus and other places and travel he's generous and he's ministering to the needs there and so he looks at all the opportunities to minister so that others can benefit from what God's given him so the question is how do members of our church and fellow members in our community view us? Do they see us as giving, generous loving, seeing the needs around us and ministering Do they see us even going to great lengths in our ministry? Do they truly see our faith in the Lord being lived out? See, Paul was seeing this in Philemon. Everything that Paul is saying is evidence of what he has seen, what Epaphras has seen, what even Onesimus has seen in this man named Philemon. Then we move to verse six, and he talks about the fellowship of his faith. I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become evident through the knowledge and of every good thing which is in you for Christ Jesus. So he's praying for the fellowship of his faith. You know, we don't live in an isolated world. We live among other people. And Philemon was open up his home for the church, which mean other believers, saints of God, were joining him. And so Paul was saying, I'm praying for your fellowship with these other believers. I want you to have this sense of belonging, that you're part of the whole. See, unfortunately, there are some people who are, have pretty high standing in society, and when they walk into a church, they want to be recognized for that status, and they want privileged treatment. Paul's basically saying, I just pray that you are a part of the whole, that you're just another one of the whole. And there's really no evidence that Philemon looked at himself as higher than others. Other, basically what we're seeing is just opposite, that he showed love towards all. So the question is, how do we relate to others in our congregation? Do we see ourselves as more important than others or as equals? So Paul was praying for Philemon's fellowship with others be effective as he ministered within the church and within that community so then the latter part of verse 6 says so that you will become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in in you for christ jesus paul was praying that god would give him this godly knowledge well where does godly knowledge come from well obvious from the book from the bible the word of god As we read, study, meditate on it, we can gain this knowledge. But we need to pray first. I've always emphasized this. Before you pick up your Bible every day, to read your scriptures, to read whatever the Lord's put on your heart to read and study and meditate on. Pray first. Pray, Lord, right now these are just words on a page. I pray that you will make them alive in my heart and my soul. That as I read them, your Holy Spirit will help me to understand these truths. And that you will help me to apply them to my life. So they're not just words. They're not just some teaching. But they are your life living in me. So that, I think, is what Paul is doing. He's praying for godly knowledge. And that only comes, as he says, that knowledge in you for Christ's sake. See, he already knows it's there because he knows that Philemon is a child of God, which means that he has the Holy Spirit in him. And the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the wisdom, guidance, knowledge, and understanding of the Word of God as we read, study, and meditate on it. And so that's what Paul is asking and praying for. So we also need to allow the Holy Spirit to give us that wisdom, guidance, knowledge, and understanding so that we will always know what is good, righteous, pure in our lives, and live it out each and every day. So when we're living out this knowledge, it is always to point towards Christ and not ourselves. So the question is, is Christ always honored by what we say, by what we do, even by what we think and desire? Pretty tough question to answer sometimes. It's all that we do, everything that comes out of our mouths, even what we're thinking and desiring. Does it honor God? If it doesn't, then we need to surrender anew to the Lordship of Christ. So we look and we see that Paul has joy in knowing Philemon. Look at verse 7. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love. These two words are going to be kind of connected. Let me just deal with joy first. Paul I believe probably have been ministered to by Philemon. Philemon was, we picture, a wealthy man. They met in Ephesus, is what we understand. Paul and Philemon spent time together, getting to know each other. Paul spent time discipling Philemon so that he'd have a heart to go back to Colossae, to open up his home for the church to minister in whatever way the Lord led. So Paul found joy. He was joyful in knowing who Philemon is and what he was doing in life. So Paul rejoiced in this love and the evidence of that love. And this love, again, is the foundation of our lives in Christ. It's not just puppy love or, you know, being nice. It's the agape love, unconditional love. No matter what the cost is, no matter what the situation is, I'm going to love the same way that Christ loves. So without this agape love for all the people, uh, he'd be struggling. He wouldn't know how to give. He wouldn't know how to minister. But Paul rejoices that he sees this love in him. Then he says, I also find comfort. So not only did Paul rejoice in what he saw, but he also found comfort. I again believe that somehow Philemon probably ministered to Paul We don't know if he did. I can personally see that while Paul was in Ephesus and Philemon would spend time with them, Philemon may have been one to give towards Paul's ministry. He may have heard, okay, Paul, you're heading somewhere else next. Let me give you some support so that you can take it along the way. Philemon obviously knew that Epaphras was heading to Rome to counsel with Paul to find out what can be done with the uh, false teachers invading their church. Could it be that he may have given him an offering to take with him? Or even words of encouragement? We don't know the Bible's silent on that. But I can picture all those things happening. And Paul is saying, I've come to have joy and comfort in you and in your love. So What's the evidence? Here's what he says. Because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. There's evidence that Paul is hearing probably from Epaphras and even from Onesimus that Pilemon is ministering in such a way that the saints are being refreshed through him. He's lifting up the other believers in Colossae. Lifting them up. I shared just a minute ago that They had gone through a tremendous earthquake, it rattled the whole, I mean, it pretty much devastated the whole city, and Classe was not what it used to be, the people are probably just making ends meet, Philemon, I believe, was refreshing them, being an encourager, probably ministering financially, physically, whatever the way that God led him to do. And so the question is, are we godly encouragers? Are we looking for the opportunities to minister in the name of the Lord? Doesn't mean that we have to be rich, wealthy, have a high status in life. Some of the greatest givers in life are the poor. Do you remember that Paul was collecting an offering from all the various churches that he ministered to so that he could take that offering to Jerusalem because the the church in Jerusalem was under tremendous persecution? And a lot of people would not do business with them because of their faith in the Lord instead of following the Jewish faith. And so he was collecting an offering. And one church, he really didn't expect them to give anything. But they gave an offering. And according to the scriptures, it says, they gave more because they gave from their heart. And they were probably the least capable of giving. But they gave more Because they gave from the heart. So, it doesn't matter what our status is, what our bank account is. God can use us to encourage, to minister, to bless, to bring comfort, to bring joy, love, by sharing our faith. So we just simply need to live out our faith each and every day allowing God to work in us and through us to do His good and acceptable and perfect will. And as we surrender to Him each day, it is His Holy Spirit that will work in us and through us to do His good and acceptable and perfect will. But when we do, when we surrender, it's no longer us living, but it is Christ living through us. I think that's really what Paul is encouraging Philemon. He's saying, Philemon there's evidence. You're not just doing good things to be known for being a good doer. You're allowing God through His Holy Spirit to work through you to do great things. And I see it and there's evidence of it and I'm giving testimony of that evidence. So the question is, is there any evidence in our own hearts, in our own lives that other people are seeing that they could give a testimony towards us. Let's bow together in prayer. Dear Lord, we come to you today. Lord, none of us could answer these questions the way we would like to. Lord, there are areas of our lives that we're not proud of. Sometimes we're too stingy with what we have. We don't want to share it with others. Even when we see a great need, or there's other times that we just don't want to be bothered. We're too stingy with our time. Or there's other times that we just are not looking for the opportunity to minister. Because we want to do what we want to do. Or Paul saw, saw something in Philemon that he rejoiced over. He saw Christ working through him in many different ways. He himself had witnessed it. Others had testified to it. And there was great evidence that he was serving you faithfully. Lord, he was not a super saint. He was just someone striving to be obedient. Lord, help us to be obedient. Help us to be filled with your spirit each and every day. Surrendered so that we will know what you desire us to do. that you will fill our hearts with your wisdom, guidance, knowledge and understanding of your truths, and you will take control of our thoughts, our desires, our words and our deeds, so that all that we do, all that we